This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, everyone, we're going to get started here. We're a little bit, running a little bit. All right, this is an exciting session. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more practical here with the, with the gardening and the application in our lives. And um, So let's, let's begin again with a little word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and to talk about the garden and nature and creation and the things that you've made and how they give us a glimpse into yourself and how we can put our hands into the soil and learn how to um, grow the food that we eat. And I pray that you would fill us with your spirit as we talk and share together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, practicing the pattern. You know, uh, so I live with my family on Bountiful Blessings Farm. To just give you a little background to uh, where, where we're coming from. I live with my family on Bountiful Blessings Farm, and we, my uncle and my dad, have partnered together, and we grow a whole host, a whole variety of vegetables and herbs and berries, all over 50 different varieties of vegetables, herbs, and berries. We do it pretty intensively, so we have greenhouses, and then we, we grow stuff out in the fields as well. And we do it all organically, and, we, and most of it, we're doing it as a business, and most of it is sold directly to the customers through a CSA. And so I could get up and share with you all kinds of statistics, you know, being in the agriculture world, all kinds of statistics about how, you know, the average piece of food travels over 1,500 miles before it ends up on your plate, and all kinds of things about GMOs. How many of you have heard about GMOs, genetically modified foods? Yeah, so we're talking to the choir here on <laughs> genetically modified foods and the kinds of things that they're doing to put into foods and... Um, and all of that. I'm not sure. Amy is going to be sharing a little bit more about health. I don't know if she goes into some of that, that kind of stuff. Do you go into some of that, Amy? Or? Well, just the health, yeah, the health um, aspect of, of gardening, for sure. So I, I'm really excited to be hearing some of the things that she's going to be sharing. Um, so there, there's a whole host of reasons to be growing our own food and to learn how to grow our own food. And in some of these, some of these in these first seminars, um, we're kind of, we kind of stepped back and looked at perhaps the bottom line. The bottom line reason, because I believe that the fundamental reason to put our hands into the soil is to learn about our Creator and to get to know Him better. And all of the, all of the other reasons are extremely important, but this is, this is a fundamental reason because it shows us our own hearts. It, it actually softens our hearts. As we work in the soil, it softens our hearts, it subdues us. And it works, it works a work of humility that, that might not be found in other areas. I know that God has, God has really sought to work on my own heart in, um, in letting go of myself and seeing how he works with the ground and with nature and, and with all of that. So we're going we're gonna to jump into a little bit real quick about practicing the power pattern. We talked about the dominion of God, how he has a dominion, a sphere of influence that he is, he is a life giver to. And we'll jump into that a little bit, and then we'll talk about specifically some practical, some practical aspects of gardening um, itself. How, how many of you would like to go into, get a little bit into gardening itself? All right. All right, yeah, there's some good interest. All right, so... I like standing down here better, if that's all, all right with all of you feels a little bit more closer to you all. Um, it should say, the slide here should say three levels of, of dominion. And this is, this is a quick little recap, but also um, touching a little bit on our lives, because our lives are to be like a, a, a farmer that is nourishing and cherishing the garden. Um, the, first, the first level of dominion is the soil. 
There's the, there's the physical and natural realm like we've been talking about that we actually physically can learn how God's dominion works. While we are creating an environment for a plant to thrive, um, the same lessons can be learned and transferred over to how to create an environment for our hearts to thrive and for our families to thrive. Um, in ner- learning to care for the natural world and ourselves, we end up learning how to care for others as well. And so there's the very physical part of the, of the, of the so- soil and building up the soil and making the soil a place where plants will thrive and grow. And, and then there's the soul, which is our heart. And we talked about a little bit in the last one how the, the, our hearts um, are representative of the soil and God's work of breaking up our fallow ground um, and opening up our hearts to God. Um, Mom had a little thought about that. Do you want to share that real quick about um, breaking up our... I thought that was really precious. And for those that are listening to the recording later, she was talking about how taking our thoughts captive and um, that being a part of uh, breaking up our hearts and preparing the room for God's word to grow in our hearts. You know, ultimately, we have, uh, we have nothing to give unless we have received something from God, like we were talking about in the other um, session, but not just receiving but actually incorporating it into our lives. Um, one thing that um, one thing that goes along with our soul and the breaking up of our hearts is something that that I have a real passion for, and that is um, truly seeking God with all of our hearts. And that's something that has come out in the last, two, the last two seminars, seeking God with all of our hearts and being willing to let go of the sin that is there and being willing to go and repent. And, um, you know, as you, as you seek the Lord, he will, bring th- he will bring things to your mind, thoughts to your mind that you'll, you'll remember. And, um, you know, he may ask you, to do, I, th- I think of it like the illustration of the compost pile. You know, for instance, we have a, we, how, many, how many of you are gardeners already? How many of you are growing? All right, so we have a good number. How many of you know what a compost pile is? Okay, for those of you that don't know what a compost pile is, it's a, it's a place where you take all of this, uh, this rotten fruit or leftover fruit, or if you clear out a place of land, it's, it's, the, it's the old plants that were growing, and you put them into this pile, and the natural processes of nature break it down, and it actually breaks down into beautiful soil, believe it or not, um, for those of you that don't know. And so you take what's called humus or compost, and you take that soil and you put it the, of the broken down um, plants that have decomposed or the rotten fruit, 
And after it's totally decomposed, you can put it back on your garden and it really builds up your soil and adds a lot of nutrients to it. Um, and in many ways, we, all of us have rotten fruit in our lives. All of us have rotten fruit that needs to go through the furnace of the compost pile. A compost pile actually heats up. It gets extremely hot and it needs to go through the furnace of the compost pile. And God is calling to our hearts to repent, to let go of our sin, to be willing to go and to make something right. I remember just a, just a little personal story along that, those lines. Actually, just, I don't know, a month ago, a few weeks ago, um, I ended up coming to church. And I'm a deacon at our local church. And, and I came walking in, and I had, I had totally missed. I was supposed to do the superintendent's remarks for church, and I had totally missed it. Well, it, it turned out all right, because I walked in just in time to walk up to the front and give, uh, give the superintendent. I mean, I actually had a couple minutes, but I went up and gave the superintendent remarks. It was okay, because um, I could share something that I had been studying in my devotions or something like that. Well, a little while later, when church came around, I was sitting in my pew, and uh, one of our other deacons came along, came up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, aren't you supposed to be the deacon today? And I honestly, I, I looked at him and I honestly said, no, I don't, I don't think so. And I, I was completely being honest. I didn't, I totally did not think I was supposed to be. And, he, um, and so he pulls out the bulletin and here my name is in the bulletin. I was supposed to be the deacon that day. And I hadn't gotten to church early and the church service had already started. And I looked up and my uncle was putting, um, putting up the, the numbers for the hymns up on the, up on the board you know, that what I was supposed to be doing, and my heart just sunk. I think that you can relate to the feeling. It's just like, you, you know, you've failed in, in what you were supposed to be doing. And that, that very Sabbath, we were having a, a testimony time um, at church. And so various members of the church, it was just an open, for, for, the serv, for the service, it was just an open time for testimonies and people would come up to share their, share their testimonies and the Lord was calling on my heart to, to go up and apologize to the church for, for what had happened. Um, and that's not a very easy thing to necessarily to do, especially when our hearts start warring in us, to go up and to humble ourselves before God's people and say, I'm sorry. You know, I was... Yes, I didn't, I didn't have the schedule, and, and I had been gone. And there was, you know, there's a hundred excuses that we can come up with. Um, I had been gone for most of, the, most of the quarter. But when it comes down to it, it was my responsibility. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. And, G, and God asked them, you know, did you eat the fruit? The only correct answer was, yes. Yes, I did. It's my responsibility. And so, and so I, I did, you know... The, the testimony service went on, and I decided to go up and to share with the church, and, and I did. And as I was sharing with the, with the church, um, I was sharing with them um, about how I, I was sorry for what had happened with the, with the deacon and my responsibility and, and that. And as I was sharing, um, God was pricking me in my mind. Um, you know, you didn't, you, you're sharing about the deacon, but you didn't tell them that you had forgotten about the superintendent's remarks too. And I was like, you know, why, why do they need to know that? Why do they need to know that? And so I just told, I put it off and I went back to my seat. And for the rest of the testimony time, God was working in my mind. Paul, you were not completely honest with your church family. You were not completely honest and just sharing openly, you know, to save your own face. Um, and it wasn't even like I was trying to save my own face. It was just, you know, it didn't come up. And then I was like, why should I add it type of thing. Um, but God called to my heart to be willing to go back up and share again. And God is calling for us to be willing to humble ourselves. To be willing to humble ourselves and go to those that we have wronged and ask forgiveness. And that is the practical, practical breaking up of our hearts before God, letting go, cleaning our lives before him, being willing to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And God might be calling to you at this time, something in your life that you need to let go of, that you need to go and make right. And go do it. Do it.
there's nothing like standing before God and knowing that your life is clean, that he can come and plant his seed and it will grow and it will flourish because your heart is ready to receive it. Our hearts. And from there, it goes on to, on to social and the, and the cultivating of the hearts. You know, it starts with our, um, our spouse, if we're married, those that are closest to them. I'm not married yet. Um, looking forward to that day. Um, and then it goes out to our family, those that are closest to it, out to our community, and, and then, you know, communities build up our country, our nation. The influence goes out. But we start with a little influence around us, and we build from there. So we're practicing dominion. Um, where? Ultimately, dominion, and uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this really quickly, and then we'll jump into um, some of the practical gardening aspects. So where do we practice dominion? Dominion, um, and for those of you that weren't here in my other um, sessions, we're talking about um, godly, dominion maybe sounds like a big word, but it, we're talking about godly dominion, which is the sense that God has a sphere of influence where he is, um, exercises his dominion, his seat of authority, and he does it in a life-giving way like a river of water that flows out and nourishes. And, and as, as gardeners, or as farmers, dominion, in a very practical sense, our little sphere of influence is in our garden, on our land, and it's practiced in the soil by actually working the soil and creating an environment for our plants to th thrive, both the soil of the heart and the soil of the land. And the two correlate. The physical work in the soil is a vivid demonstration of God's work in our hearts. Um, who, who does this? We practice it as a family. Um, this is a lifestyle of learning God's way, learning how to love like he loves. And to, it, God created man in his image, male and female created he them, and where did he place them? In the garden. This is the ultimate place. In fact, Ellen White has a quote where she talks about how the Israelites um, God, God's intention for Israel was that every family should have a piece, have, should have a plot of land to grow food on, and that no devising of man has ever improved upon that plan. You, you probably all know as well, you know, Ellen White talk, talks about how agriculture is the A, B, and what? C of education. It's, it's a foundation. It doesn't mean that it is everything about education, but it lays a foundation to learn and to understand and to know, um, to know God. The family was to be the human unit reflecting the image of God's dominion on earth in the same way that God nourishes um, the universe. We do it in our little sphere of influence. And then um, how? By literally laboring and working the soil. Man was to subdue the heart and tend for the garden. The ground of our hearts must be subdued and broken up like we were talking about and planted with heavenly seed. It all starts with our own hearts. And you know, what, you know what's fascinating? Is that we're talking about the natural world and the spiritual world here, right? And what's fascinating is if you change something in, in one of these three areas, in the, in the soil, or in the soul, or in, in the social realm, it affects the other areas. Maybe we can come up with, with some examples. For instance, if you... For instance, there are, there are huge um, commercial agriculturalists that go out and, uh, well, we mentioned GMOs earlier. Um, you know, they've, they've decided to genetically modify foods. And what, what does that, how does that impact our lives? In what ways? Health, uh, you mentioned, right? Health, um, it impacts, impacts our health. What happens when our health is impacted? Our usefulness is impacted. Does that affect our relationships around us? Stress. What about our relationships with our family? Um, what about spirituality? How does it affect our spirituality? What's that? It retards it. Um, how, when our physical bodies begin to deteriorate or, or are compromised, it affects how well we can you know, our minds can think in our, in our spirituality and that we can function. Um, it, 
just, just giving, that's just a little simple example of how if you affect any one of these three areas, it affects it as a whole. It's not just, you know, our physical lives and our spiritual lives are not compartmentalized. It's not just that we have our, our, our physical health that we are, and, and we know this as Adventists because we are, you know, we're big into the health message. Um, but it just gives us another picture into how everything fits together. Everything blends into a beautiful whole. So it all starts, um, labor working the soil, it starts in our hearts. Okay, let's see. And when it comes down to the, when it comes down to it, the, the image of God is restored in our hearts when we're willing to, when we're willing to die, when we're willing to let go of ourselves and allow God to work. Um, allow him to have his way in our lives, to allow, to choose the compost pile. And, and, and let me just tell you, let me just tell you, because on our farm, um, how many of you have, I grew up, that was my job, was taking out the compost. How many of you have taken out the compost before? Yeah, okay, we've got a good number here. So I, I'm one that does not like dealing with rotten vegetables. How many of you can relate? In fact, I would go out there, I mean, even just before coming here, I went and took some compost out um, to, the, to the pile, and you know, you dump, up the, you dump the bucket out, and you kind of shake it, and there's still stuff in there, right? Yeah, yeah. and you, so you try to bang it, yeah? So I had a mom that, I, I love my mom so much, and she, um, you know, she, she instilled in me the, um, oh, what, do you, what do you call it? The thoroughness, yeah, the thoroughness, the value, the value of cleaning the compost bucket out and not just bringing it in, bringing it in, because I, w I would bring it back to the house and it would still have all of this stuff in it, because, and you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff where you, you know, you, you shrink, you literally, you're, you shrink from touching it, and, and that is our lives. That is our lives. We shrink from letting go. We shrink from dying, from being willing to become nothing. Like it says in John 12, 24, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it cannot bear fruit. Our generation is destitute of people that are willing to die, people that are willing to be nothing, that are willing to be a reprobate to this society and let go of everything that they are their reputation, everything that they love, and be willing to allow God to fill the void that's left over. That's my prayer. The bottom line is that we would be willing to face the compost pile, to allow God's furnace to cleanse us, for him to fill the void that's left over. Now, going into, um, going into some practical aspects of gardening. Let's talk a little bit about the ground and the soil. How many of you have a garden? I think I asked this already. There's quite a few of you that have a garden. Um, what, what is one of your biggest um, struggles in your garden? Weeds. OK, I like this. Weeds. Um, what do you do about them? Pluck them out. Okay, that's pretty practical right there. Pluck them out. Um, you know, I, there was one summer where my cousins and I decided to do a garden together. We had, we had been, my, my family started a little apprenticeship program on the farm, and we were kind of the guinea pigs. We were the first ones. And after we had gone through that, we decided to have our own summer garden and to go out and sell the produce that we had grown. And it was our own little project, and part of it, guess what part of it was the deal? So the family said, you can do this if you are willing to break the new ground in the hoop houses. This is kind of the little, the little working relationship we did with our dad and moms and the, and the farm. So we would break the new ground, and then we would be able to grow whatever we wanted, and we could keep all the money from it. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? So, I mean, and this ground was, was 
I don't know that if we knew what we were getting into, maybe we did, but it, we live in Tennessee and it's got a pretty clay, it's kind of a clay rocky soil. And we were out there literally, how many of you know what a spading fork is? Okay, a few of you, some of you don't. Um, it's like a, you all know what a pitchfork is, right? So imagine a pitchfork, um, a spading fork is a little bit narrower than a pitchfork, and the tines are much more sturdy. A pitchfork's meant for hay. A spading fork is meant to go into the ground. And so we were literally out there on the ground, jumping up and down on spading forks, which are about this, this wide. It has maybe like four or five tines. Jumping up and down, trying to loosen up the soil to grow our plants in. And, and we did it. It took a while. <laughs> it took a while to do it, but we did it. And there was, as we were doing all of this, in the summer, you all know, halfway through the summer, like you just said, the weeds can easily take over, right? So the weeds took over one of, the, one of our hoop houses, and I can remember getting up at maybe 5 in the morning with my sister, because we would go out early in the morning when it wasn't the heat of the day, so that it was um, cooler to work in, and going out there with those same spading forks, and the grass was literally this, this tall, well, about that tall maybe, um, that had grown up. And why is it so important to get those weeds out? Roots get thick. There's no space for your plants to grow. Absolutely. Anything else? They use up nutrients. They reseed themselves. That was one that I was going for. All of those other ones are, are really good. They are really good things because you want your plants to be able to grow. But listen, there's a little saying that says one year seeding, anybody know it? Is seven years weeding. We have amaranth plants that they grow and they literally have 30,000 seeds on them, something like that. I mean, it's, it's just astronomical. Um, not, not every plant, okay, not every plant has that many seeds on it. But, but there are those, one year's, the, little, the saying, one year seeding is seven years weeding. And so it's, it's incredibly important, especially if your weeds grow um, tall, tall enough where they get to that stage. It's, it's even better to go in and weed eat them down or mow them down than to let them go to seed. So um, we were in there pulling these weeds out. And maybe you all have, you all have experienced this, um, getting out there with a dinner knife or, or a fork or something and pulling the weeds out. Well, just a, just a little tip um, for you all with, with the weeding, and this is something that takes a little forethought, but it's also something that comes back to our hearts and the work that God does in our hearts, and that is that there's a difference between what's called weeding and what's called cultivating. Cultivating and weeding. Um, there's a little difference. Weeding is where the plants have gotten large enough that you have to go in and actually physically remove them, like you were talking about, pulling them out. Cultivating, on the other hand, is something that's done when the weeds are actually so small that you can hardly see them. How, how many of you have done this before? Okay, we've got a few. So, um, so cultivating, what happens is in, in the ground, there's what's called a weed seed bank. And basically what it is is um, you have this bank of seeds that are just sitting there. You know, all of those weeds that sprout, they're a seed that was sitting in the, in the, in the weed seed bank. And it's, it's mainly those um, weeds that are on the top half inch um, or inch, a little bit deeper if they're, if they're an aggressive one, that come up um, in your garden. And so what you can do is you can go in... Um, Preferably when you plant your bed, you've already cleared it off like we talked about in the other seminar. You've made it all nice and clean and you've planted it. And then when those weeds start to sprout, what is the most, um, what is the most vulnerable stage of a plant? Just when it sprouts. Right when it sprouts, it's got this little, it's called the, the white thread stage. It has this little white thread. Have any of you started sprouts in your kitchen? So you've seen, you've seen the, just the little white thread sticking out. And so the seed sprouts, and it's got this little white thread going down. And that is the most vulnerable stage of the plant. Just a little disruption will actually kill it. And so what you can do is you can come in with a hoe. And we actually have special hoes. They're called a collinear hoe. It's a very thin blade or a stirrup hoe. It makes it really easy to go in. And you can literally just go in, and it's like sweeping your kitchen. 
you can stir the top little quarter inch of the soil. And what it does, it, it, it stirs up and, and ruffles up those seeds that have just sprouted, and you can knock out, I don't know, 70, 80% of the weeds before you even see them or when they're just barely, barely coming up. It's beautiful. It's beautiful um, with what you can do. And it comes back to our hearts. You know, that's what God wants to do in our hearts, to come in and cultivate, to come in and take out those little weeds before they even have a chance to grow. But you know, the beautiful thing is that even if those weeds do have a chance to grow and they're big, it might take more breaking up the soil to pull it out. It might disrupt the ground more. It might be more painful. But once that weed is out, the weed is out. We serve a creative God that changes our lives, that changes our hearts. So that's one little practical, um, one little practical example that you can go home and institute in your garden. Make sure to get out there. Here's the key. When it comes to weeds, the key is to get them before you would naturally think of doing it. Because when it comes down to it, when you look out on your garden and everything looks nice and pretty and there's no weeds and all your plants are there, how many of you are thinking about going out and weeding it? But that's right at the time where you should be going out and stirring up the ground, just stirring the top little quarter inch, um, just to make sure to knock out those little weeds that are just barely starting to sprout. But usually we wait until we see them to get rid of them. And that's another correlation that can come back to our hearts. Are we waiting to, until things start coming out before we actually bring them to God and allow him to deal with them? What's something else in our gardens that we deal with? Insects. Um, we, had, we had a huge problem with, with uh, on that same summer when I was doing it with my cousins, we had a huge problem with Japanese beetles on our green beans, and they just covered the green beans and, and decimated them. What, so what, what is the best approach to dealing with insects? What was that? <laughs> Squish them. We've done that too. Uh, I don't. Well, I have an aversion to squishing insects with my fingers. Some of my family doesn't have this aversion, but I, I do. It's just, just, I don't know my personality or something, but I'll take a couple rocks or something and squish them together. Um, squishing them. Um, what else? What, what, what is the insect a symptom of? Is that right? A sick plant. It's true. It's true. Insects are a symptom of a sick plant. Um, the insects, if you, and we've seen this literally in our garden. Um, let me make sure I'm on time here. Okay. We've seen this literally in a garden. In our hoop house, we had a bed of spinach that we had planted. And the greenhouse was on, had the, the ground where it was used to be on a slope. And so they came in with a bulldozer and they pushed all of the topsoil over down to one end of the greenhouse. And so one end of the greenhouse was naturally more fertile. Does that make sense? Um, the other end, the ground wasn't as fertile. And so we planted a bed of spinach in there, and the spinach went along, and you could literally see the gradient as it went down. There was, on the, let's pretend this is the end that was a little less fertile. As you walked down, the plants were kind of uh, small, the spinach was a little, a little bit yellow, a little bit sickly. The ground isn't as fertile, because naturally the plants, get their nutrients from the ground. That's where their roots are going in. And so as you go along, um, the spinach got larger and larger and healthier and healthier until at the other end, it was nice dark green, you know, nice large leaves of spinach. And what was fascinating is we had, we had a little bug that came in and started eating holes in our spinach. And as you would go down, the spinach that was yellow and a little bit more sickly was just riddled with holes. And as you walked down to the healthier spinach, there was just... It, it petered out, and there was just a hole here or there that the bugs had eaten. Just a, a visual example of that ultimately it's the health of the plant um, is a huge part to a plant's resistiveness to disease. So how, how, do, you, how do you build up the health of your plants? You build up the soil. You build up the soil. Um, ultimately, a healthy plant gains its health, its nutrition, 
from the soil that it's growing in, right? So what are some ways that we build up the health of our soil? Fertilizer, what kind of fertilizer? Okay, okay, so cow manure. Okay, some people test the soil to see what it needs, um, and then you get the nutrients and, and put them in, preferably from, from natural sources. Um, we use rock, some rock powders and, and stuff like that to balance the nutrients in our soil, absolutely. What else? Kelp? Kelp is definitely something that can, that can be used. How else do you build up the health of your soil? What was that, Amy? <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Veganic pellets. You all, you, do you all make those or do you just sell them? You make them. Okay, so Amy is going to be sharing with you, and I'm really excited to hear. I said that already. I'm really excited to hear her, her seminars. Um, they're from Sunny Zona Farms, and they make veganic pellets to help build up the health of the soil. Another... Another thing is why, why were we as young people going out and jumping up and down on spading forks out on the soil? Organic matter, there's something else though. Soften the soil, why would you want to soften the soil? To aerate it, so the roots have, have opportunity to grow. You know, there's something fascinating in the, in the soil, and ha, have you noticed that, that in, all, in all of our illustrations and in building up the garden, it seems to constantly be coming back to the soil? That the soil is a foundation to having a healthy garden. A soil is the foundation to having healthy plants. Um, when, it, when it comes down um, to the soil, what was I just going to share with you? about aerating, aerating the soil. Oh, in the soil, there, do you remember in the, I guess some of you weren't here. We, in a previous session, we were talking about, we talked a little bit about how there's amazing symbiotic relationships that happen with bacteria and fungi um, with, with plants, and they can help protect them against diseases um, in the soil. And how many of you can guess how much bacteria or microorganisms are in just a teaspoon of soil? Billions? Anybody else have a guess? You're right. It's billions. <laughs> Good one. Okay, so just to, get, just to put that in perspective in our minds, if you, took, if you took just a teaspoon of soil and you counted one bacteria every second, have, does anyone have an idea of how long it would take you to count? Forever. Forever. <laughs> It would take about 31 years. It would take about 31 years. I mean, we're talking about a teaspoon of soil. That's just this little tiny thing. Now, if you scaled that up just a little bit to about a gallon and a half of soil, that's still not that much soil. I mean, it's like, you know, a gallon and a half of soil. 31,000 years to count if you're counting a bacteria or a microorganism. Just a vibrant, and all of those things, they, they need, they need, um, they need air. They need, um, they, there's a whole little ecosystem. It's called the soil food web. There's a whole little ecosystem that's going on, on under there. And they, they actually interplay and they make, they help make nutrients available to your plants as you're trying, as you're trying to grow them. And so when you're, when you're, there's, there are actually organic farmers that say that they are farming microorganisms. They're, farm, they're farming the soil rather than saying that they're farming the vegetables because ultimately what they're doing is they're trying to build up a healthy soil and from that their plants will grow and thrive and produce fruit. And part of, and going back to our breaking up the soil, those, those microorganisms, they need air, they need moisture. And you need a, a structure of soil that allows for air and moisture to get down into, into there and to um, you know, provide an environment for all of these microorganisms to thrive and ultimately for our plants to thrive. And 
um, coming back to our, our illustration here of our hearts. Do we in our lives focus as much on the health of our hearts and on preparing the soil of our hearts to receive the word of God as we do in the garden to make sure that our plants thrive? You know, when a, when a plant grows in a healthy soil, like we were just talking about, it's more resistant to pests and it's more resistant to diseases. Um, in fact, yeah, like I was telling you with the spinach. And, and, and I can tell you that as we have, as we have focused on, there, there's, there's other, you know, nature is so complex, there's other factors of, as well, but one of the factors that we have focused on is building up the soil of our plants. And remember I said that we had a big problem with Japanese beetles? As, as the years have gone by, we have watched that problem become less and less and less until now we don't, have, we don't really have that much of a problem with Japanese beetles um, coming to, and, and getting our green beans. And it's been amazing to watch because we haven't been out there focused on the Japanese beetles and attacking them and trying to get rid of them. They have not been our focus. Instead, it has been focused on building up an environment for our plants to live and for our plants to thrive. And coming back, back to our own hearts, are we, are we focused on everything that we need to do in life to make sure that things are going right? Are we focused on trying to attack the things in our lives that maybe the bad habits, the, the sins that keep coming up over and over, the things that, that pull us down, are we so focused on those that we completely lose God's work in completely changing our hearts and making us new from the inside out? From the inside out, turning our hearts upside down, completely creating us new instead of focusing on the symptoms that keep coming up over and over, and it extends out into our relationships with other people. Other people come to us, and they'll do things that annoy us. They'll do things that, that hurt us. But do we go back and do we focus on those things, or do we see the heart that's behind that person that needs a tender, loving hand to come and care for them, that needs someone to come and put their arm around them and lift them up? Or are we so focused on the symptoms that keep coming up over and over that we attack those instead? Nature in the garden is to teach us more than just how to grow our own food, how to be self-sufficient or, or become healthier. It's to teach us more than just how to learn about our own personal walk with God. Or, you know, growing up, um, you, I, I remember, you know, we'd go out on Sabbath afternoon walks and the assignment would be to find some object lesson from, you know, from nature to come back and share with the rest of the family. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to do. Um, but for some reason, I just had this picture that nature is just filled with these random object lessons here and there and everywhere. And I've realized more and more that that's not the case. Yes, there are, there are object lessons everywhere in nature, but it's not just an object lesson here and an object lesson there. It's a, it's a whole. Nature is there to teach us of our God and our Creator as a whole. It's there to teach us of how we relate to Him and how He relates to us in our hearts and to draw us closer to Him to fill us with himself. So, I, yes? Is there a spiritual application for worms, putting worms in your soil? For putting worms in your soil? Is there a spiritual I'm sure there is. Um, the, first, the first thing that, that comes to mind is that the worms, um, worms are one of the best indicators of or are a wonderful indicator of a, of a healthy soil with all of those microorganisms 
um, living there and um, providing those nutrients to the plants. Um, and worms themselves, how many of you have heard of worm castings? This, it, the, worm castings are something that we use heavily on our farm. We use it because there's a place near us that we can get them by the semi-truckload. There's a farm that, that actually grows worms. And the worm castings are kind of a byproduct from the worms. And those worm castings are extremely um, beneficial. It's like humus. It's like compost off of the compost pile to, the, to come back and put into the soil of our hearts. What, what could be an example? What, what could compost be an example of in building up the health of our, of our hearts? The Holy Spirit, trials. What comes out of the other side of trials? Patience, faith. Yes, yeah. A deeper relationship with God. A deeper relationship with God. Um, there are so many connections of, of God filling our, our soil and taking it and building it up into something beautiful. The Holy Spirit coming in and, and changing us. I know that's not like a direct spiritual application for a worm. Does anybody else have, a, have something that would... Trials that purify us? You know, something with a compost pile is that you can have a compost pile... How many of you have had a compost pile that ends up becoming a very mushy, gushy, stinky mess? Yeah, okay, you've had, you've had a few of those. Um, do you know why that is? That's, that's one thing, not enough air. The balance of the dry. You know, if you put all of your kitchen scraps, just all of your, well, it's called, we, we call it the green or the wet ingredients of the compost pile. If you just put all of your kitchen scraps on, um, it'll end up becoming a, a mushy, gushy, stinky mess. And you'll you get the flies and the maggots and all of that, and it, and it stinks. On the other hand, if you come in and... To, to make a successful compost pile, it's best to layer it with what we call dry ingredients. Um, it's the, um, the st straw or, or leaves. Yeah, dead leaves, dead leaves can work, although they break down in a little bit different way than the vegetables do. Um, they break down with a fungal process, and the vegetables break down with a um, bacterial process. It doesn't mean that it's you know, going to ruin your compost pile. I'm sure that it will compost. Um, good as well. They just do break down a little bit differently. Um, straw is one of the best uh, because it allows, because you know, what's inside the straw? Air. air. Yeah, and it allows for air to come into the compost pile and you layer it. Um, you know, we, like going back to our illustration of the rotten, the rotten fruit um, in our lives, we can just try and deal with those ourselves, can't we? We can try and make things right ourselves. We can try and fix ourselves and the, the things in our lives, and it can end up being just a stinky mess. We need Christ's righteousness to come in and to cover us like that straw and to allow it to work together and to break down into something beautiful that can come back and, um, and be incorporated into our garden and, and to to grow and to um, increase the health of our plants, of our hearts. That's my greatest desire. It's, it's an indication that this is a wonderful... It's a sign of life. It's a, all the absolutely. Absolutely. It's a sign of life, that life is thriving. Thank you so much, everyone, um, for listening. 
and for, for sharing together. It's been a privilege to share with you all and to hear you all. I hope that you're excited to garden. I hope you're excited to go out and grow your own food and in doing that to specifically learn from the garden, to learn to walk with God in the garden. Not just to go out there to grow the food, but as you're growing it, to think about how what you're doing with those plants can incorporate into your life of how you can work with the people that surround you, your family members, how you can learn to love from the garden. And coming up, um, just after me, Amy is going to be sharing, and um, she's going to be going into um, health, I believe it is, and health evangelism with the garden, and she's even going to be sharing a presentation, I think it's tomorrow, is it, on um, practically, how, uh, what is it, practically farming, like how you can get into farming, um, how you can get into farming and bringing farming back onto the table for us as young people um, as a career option, I believe, um, for us as young people to get into, into farming and gardening as avenues. So I'm excited to um, sit and listen to her, and I hope that you stay as well. Thank you so much. Let's end with a word of prayer. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll jump into that. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to share together. Father, I pray that you would work in the soil of our hearts, that you would teach us to humble ourselves before you, to break up our hearts, to seek you and allow you to fill us with yourself. Father, I pray that you would inspire us to go out and to learn more of you from the creation that surrounds us. And in so doing, to learn more of how we can reflect your love to others. Really simply allowing you to flow your river of life through us to those that surround us. We thank you and we praise you. We long to see you. Please come soon. We love you in Jesus' name. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.